The United We Stand podcast is brought to you in association with Red Army Bet. We all follow United. Red Army Bet, the only bookmaker committed to sharing 50% of net profits with United fans. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. We're in Oslo, the capital of Norway, and I'm with Andy Cole. And the 20th anniversary of the treble is approaching, and we're only going to talk about that. We're going to talk about 10 days in May 1999. We're going to start with a game, the final league game, against Tottenham Hotspur at Old Trafford. And I'm going to pass you over to Mr Cole now to talk about the mood before that game, because United hadn't won anything so far that season and yet still had a chance of winning the league, the FA Cup and the Champions League. So what happened before Tottenham? What happened? Uh, you know what? It was, it was just a normal week for us. Obviously, building up to the last game this season. Tottenham at home. Uh, normal week until he got to Saturday. And then uh, got in early. Well, it was early doors for me, so it must be about 10 o'clock. We started at half 10 and uh, the gaffer called me and said, I'll call him just to let you know I'm I'm not going to start you tomorrow. So, um, I asked him why. I told him that I believed I should be playing after this season. That we all had. He said to me, well, I don't think you played particularly well over the past few games. And I said, well, I thought I'd done all right. But he made his mind up and I wasn't going to change it, put it that way. So when you have this uh, cross words with Sir Alex, do you shake hands at the end of it? Do you get the up with him? Yeah, of course, of course you get that home. It's the last game of the season, you got a chance to win the league. I mean, I've, I've said to myself, well, I think I've had a half-decent season, by the way, you know. Um, I've nicked a few goals and the partnership with Yorkie, considering at the start of the season was never meant to be, and then you get to the last game of the season, you, you want to be involved in it. Uh, but, you know, in, in football, things happen for a reason. And he, he didn't play me because he didn't think I was playing particularly well, but obviously he knew a little better than me that afternoon. So you play against Tottenham and you basically need to win the game. What happens at half-time? You're sat on the bench in the first half, you've got the up with the manager, then what happens? No, I, I, I think that would have happened after Saturday. I went over and I just said to myself that I'm half like myself because I've in the past couple of games I haven't played as, as well as I would have liked. I've always been my biggest critic. Uh, so, so he was right? Yeah, he was right, but he, he, even if he's right, he's still got to argue the manager. It's simple as that. That's football. Um, so, yes, when, when he said to me, look, we got in the dressing room and he said, Coley, uh, you coming off for telly. He, he didn't mention the words to me when he was walking in. I mean, so I, I was just like cheating out the lads and that. He just said to me, walked in and said, Coley, uh, you're going on, telly's coming off. And I, I was surprised that we were 1 1. I was very, very surprised that we were 1 1. He just said to me, look, come on uh, and get us the winner. So, I, well, of course, I'm revved up because it's the last game of the season. We try, we try to win a Premier League again. What minute was this when the conversation took place? So the gaffer, as soon as I walked in, as soon as I walked into the dressing room and he saw me, he just said to me, look, you're coming off for Teddy. I, I, he hadn't even told Teddy. He, he, he was like that. He just made his mind that walked in, calling you coming on, Teddy's coming off. I mean, Ted's after, I looked around, he was saying, what are you mucking me? You know, because he's not even told Teddy, so I was like, wow. 
didn't do a warm up or anything like that. I just did a little bit of a warm up in the dressing room, and that was it. So you go onto the pitch. <coughs> United need to win the game. You do get the goal. It's one of the best goals I've ever scored. Yeah, it's right, it's right. Describe it in slow motion. <laughs> One of the best goals. He's alright. He's my first touch. He was, he was okay. He was okay. I mean, it, 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 was, it was okay. It, it was it was okay because for six years that's the best pass I've ever got from Gary Neville. <laughs> I'm on the right hand. I never know that. Six years. You know, when Yuki come and used the battery, maybe stat there about his passing and that. Uh, he never produced. And that afternoon, I remember. The ball went out to him on the right hand side. I've just got him short, spanning me behind. And he's coming, clipped it with his left shoe. And then the ball's gone over, scales his head, John scales his head. I just brought it down on one touch. And I had, I had a little glance at Walker, the keeper, I had a little glance. I've, I've known Walker since I was at school. So I had a little glance at him, I took it down on the one, let it bounce, and it was. Just loved, just loved him because he was, he was millimeters from where he should have been millimeters, and um, for me he was, he was a perfect love from that area, and for Walt he just, he knew it'd be as soon as I hit it, he knew it'd be. Does that come from instinct? You can't train to do what you did there. Does that come from being a kid? Does that come from thousands of hours of practice? That's just playing it off the cuff. Um, I don't even know why I did it. It's, it's one of those ones. When, when you're in the heat of the battle, there's things you do. You people say, "Oh, oh Jesus, how'd you do that?" I'll turn around. And say, oh no, I just did it. You know, he says, "I see a picture. And once I see the picture, I, I just go from there." And that was the picture I saw. What you visualize the goal? You've seen it before it happens. Yeah. Yeah, because as soon as Nev passed the ball, and I took the one touch, I, I knew that's all I could do. So. I, I mean, I, I saw it all, I saw it all, took the touch, and I knew what I wanted to do for once I touched the touch. <coughs> so Manchester United win the league, you win the game, you beat Arsenal to the league title, and then the following week you've got an FA Cup final against your former club, Newcastle United. Mm. What was training like that week? Did you celebrate much winning the league title? You had one night out? Yeah, yeah, it was... <laughs> That was a crazy week, another crazy week. Um, the, the gaffer gave us, I think he gave us two days off the bus. He said, right, don't enjoy it. I mean, it's been a tough season, but don't forget the, the cup final on Saturday. So as we do, we enjoy it. Where? We go to Manchester. So we have a night out. So we all go to Manchester. We all have a few drinks, we have a laugh, we have a joke. And, I don't know what happened because I'm in one part of the bar. And that part of the bar, it all goes off. Now usually I'm, I'm, I'm usually around when anything goes off. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately I'm, I'm usually around. So this man, I must, I thank God I had a night off. So he, he's gone off and then there's a few punches being thrown. And then we end up, we just end up leaving the place, end up going somewhere else. I remember majority of us end up leaving, going home and that, and then we find out the next morning, Roy being nicked. So, what's he being nicked for? 
and uh, show him some lady or some. Uh, so we say, also, you know, this can't, this can't be happening. Maybe when, when did this happen? So we went in. We had the next day off, and we went in, and the gaffer pulled pulled me, pool of me in, and he was absolutely ballistic. Oh my God! I've seen him angry, but I've never seen him this angry. He was, oh my God, he was angry, very, very angry. And then in the end, he said to us, What was he saying to you? No, he, he was disappointed that we'd gone out and we got into an altercation. You know, Ray got nicked because I mean, the gaffer in that happened to sort it all out. Now, we had the cup final on the Saturday, you had to be kept double dark, what happened with Roy. And um, like I said, he was just, he just went in. I mean, he probably went in. And after that, he just said, oh, I can't believe we didn't all sit together. Gaffer. We can't all sit together or we'll get it. I mean, I'm not even sure to this day, I'm not even sure what happened with Roy. So you've had a heavy night out in Manchester, one arrest, front page news. It wasn't kept in the dark at all. You drank heavily, all of you. Some of the lads have told me the units of alcohol which you drank, and it was more than you doctors would recommend for <coughs> a month alone. But it's alright, you only had the FA Cup and the European Cup final to follow. So you go back into training on the Wednesday. You train and then you go down to London, what, on the Friday? You're playing Newcastle United, your former team. What happened then? So you're training well? Yeah, we, well, when the gaffer went in the one, yeah, we, we always train well anyway. We always train well at the best of times, but um, I think we trained a little bit better that day. Because we know the gaffer was fuming. So we, we trained, and I can't remember if we went down the Thursday or the Friday, but we go down to London. And you know, we'd be at a blast, we had an absolute blast, you know, really looking forward to the cup final, but a laugh, but a joke, and you could tell the boys were really, really revved up for the game. Uh, and I, I remember the Saturday morning, and then we all waiting for the dreaded knock on the gaffer, because we knew we had the game on Wednesday, and the gaffer started to change a few bits, because he knew Roy couldn't play, and Scores couldn't play in the final. So we knew they were going to play in the FA Cup final. So like I said, he was waiting for the trade knock. And I was desperate to play the cup final. Desperate. Obviously it's Newcastle as well, but I was desperate to play the cup final. So I was half looking at my rope saying, oh, he's not coming to see me now. Oh, that means I'm playing, I'm playing, he's not coming to see me. And all of a sudden the trade knock came. He said, I said, here we go, here we go, what's he going to say to me now? Cole. Yes, boss. 60 minutes, I'm giving you. So I said, no, nah, no, nah, boss, I need to play 90. He goes, you know, you're playing 60, or were you on the bench? Make your mind up. <laughs> so I said, what do I want to do? Do I want to start or come off the bench? He said, you make your mind up, 60, or you're on the bench. So I said, I don't boss, I'll play 60, I'll play 60. I'm actually fuming I want to play 90 minutes, but he's more thinking about the cup, European Cup final on Wednesday. We played the game, and Newcastle and we were dominant from minute one. And then the craziest thing is that I spoke to Rude Hullet about this about three months ago. And Rude said to me, you know what, we thought we played really well Newcastle. I said, Rude, we absolutely pumped you. I said, Rude, seriously? He goes, yeah, we played well, we thought we was in the game. I said, Rude, come on. 
Is that why you played so badly? No, we'll come on. <laughs> um, that was a ploy, I think. Tell me about the hotel. Were the fans around? Uh, I've seen one picture of Sir Alex looking, spying from his room on his players around the pool area. I've been told that Jesper Blomquist was really nervous and just wrote, wrote a letter to himself in the room. Mm. Jesper, you can do this. Believe in yourself, Jesper. You can do this. And he, his confidence was shot. Roy and uh, Scolzi, they had a drink with the fans and, a, and another drink. And, and then, then they had another drink and then they had a few more drinks. He's as captain of the league champions. Rolled into bed, in his words, in his autobiography, steaming drunk. Come <laughs> Skip. I love it how you, you love Roy. I mean, a great skipper, wasn't it? And, and what, you're one of the few people who got on great with him. Yeah, I, I was one of the lucky ones. Um, me and Roy got on really well, really, really well. Now, I've, I've seen Roy abuse some people in, in a way I say to myself, wow, if you ever spoke to me like that, we've got a role. But I, I, I love him, I've got so much time for him because all he wanted from you was what he was giving. You know, and if he wasn't playing particularly well, he would still be on your case. Come on, you can give me more, absolutely stay and know that you can give me more. He done it to G himself up as well as everyone else, but if he's ever going to go in the trenches with anyone, Roy is definitely 100% top, top player. So you're in the hotel, the day of the game, none of you slept. You've, where did you train? I can't remember. We, to be fair, we didn't train. We just chilled. But we trained uh, the Tuesday because you're, you're loud on the pitch. So you go to New Camp, we train Tuesday. I mean, everyone's buzzing just to be out there. Did it help that you'd already been to the New Camp that season and played brilliantly? Does that lift your confidence or does stuff like that not really matter? I, I, it didn't really matter because we wasn't playing on Swiss. <coughs> We wasn't playing uh, Barcelona. We, we played there a few times. But for us, he's just a nice guy. I mean, stretch our legs and take him to the stadium again. So I, I don't think it, it really mattered that, you know, who's going to the stadium because we're playing a totally different team. And then you, take a, you get a police escort from Sitges, 40 minutes towards camp now. What was the mood like on the team bus before the European Cup final? Were you aware that there were... 50,000 travelling Manchester United fans and just as many Bayern Munich fans in the city? No, for me personally, I was just chill because football for me is just something I've always wanted to do from when I was a kid. I never, ever, ever got wound up or I wasn't a never, I was never nervous. This is the first time I ever thought about being a footballer. I'm not sure it's coming by the way. It was one of those ones. But you must have had family members coming over. Nicky Ball said he'd never had so many requests for tickets in his life. That 74% of the people in Gorton had been to his dad to apply for tickets. It can't have been a normal game. I know your personality would lead yourself just to be chilled, because that's what you're like. But did you not have any mates over? Mates would have made no difference on that night. Okay. Would have made no once you cross that white line, because it, 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 it was, like I said, you were watching that tournament, yeah, and you say, so one day I want to play this. You get there, you walk out before the game, you look around the stadium, and it's like, oh my God. What, the fans? 
everything, the fans, the stadium, just to know it's a European Cup final we've dreamt of doing for many, many years. Considering we should have got here twice before we actually got there. We actually get there, look around the stadium and say, this, this is what it's all about. You know, I had, I had a few friends there. I did have a few friends there. Well, like I said, you know, when, when you're out there, you haven't really got time to focus on anybody because you're looking, about, you're looking about yourself and your teammates and what you try to achieve it. Even then, we wasn't even thinking about winning the competing the trip. We were just thinking about, oh, we need to win this because it's just a challenge league. You were chosen to start with Dwight. Do you have any sympathy for Ollie Gunner, for Teddy? Or is that just football? Just cutthroat? That's just how it is? Well, I, of course you do. Of course you do. I'm not going to say, say, oh, I don't have any sympathy. Of course you do, but I think... If everyone actually looks up that season, yeah, when it comes to the big games, the manager always started being the way. Always, all the big games. Uh, of course, Ollie and Teddy played their part just like me and Dwight did. You know, we'd all marked in. And for, for me personally, I, as, as you get older, you look back and you say, so we all played major parts. I don't worry about what we were doing in the group stages and all that. Because I think mean, we got to the final. Ollie and Teddy scored the goal. They won't talk to about, oh, Ollie and Teddy scored the goal. For me personally, I, I didn't really care who scored the goals. I'm brutally honest. We went through the whole campaign, all of us scored goals. You know, not just me and Yorkie, Teddy Ollie, Beck, Gigsy, Roy Scolzi. So, to not score in the final, I didn't go to bed dejected. I'm just one of the channel key but I watched it when I was a kid. You know? For me to come off and to be with the players, they're going to say, oh, you must have been gutted. I wasn't gutted, no, because we ended up in the Champions League, so what was we gutted about? You were a goal down at half-time. There's a goal inside ten minutes from, from, from Basler. What did Stralek say to you at half-time? Wasn't there something about walking past that trophy and seeing the ribbons of the other team on it? Yeah, he, he did say that. He just said, basically, you know, don't come back here. I mean, regretting anything. Um, walking past that trophy, looking at it and saying to yourself, I could have given more, I should have given more. You know, make sure when you walk past that trophy, you give everything you've got. And like it's the Manchester United Rivers on the end of the game. And it, it was so inspiring because we, we haven't played particularly well. The crazy thing is that the worst game we played in the whole campaign. You know, Finished out, I don't know why we played so bad. Yeah, Scholes was missing, uh, Roy was missing, but we played it up. And you know, I, I don't know what it was about the team spirit and everything. We, that was what that football club was all about, that's what that team was about. So you came off in one minute, and you wish uh, Teddy came on as well, didn't he? Ollie going to come on well? You wish him well? Oh, for sure. 100%. That's, I'm a team player. I've always been a team player. When people talk about, oh, but you got this goal and that. Without my teammates, I don't get any goals. And I've, I've always stressed that. You know, no I team. You know, it's a team and whoever scores, we win together, we lose together. So when I got taken off, you know, all I wanted the boys to go on, and if they can nick a goal and get us back in the game, I'm, I'm more than happy with that. I agree with you about the team, but I did laugh yesterday when Nottingham Forest's Player of the Year he said on Twitter that uh, this is an individual award, it's not for you lot. It just made me laugh that you're supposed to thank all your teammates. And he said, no, it's about me, this. It's a modern-day footballer. <laughs> I think he was doing it joking, to be, to be fair to him. 
So you sat on the bench, you're exhausted, your team's losing. What are you thinking? We're going out, we're going to lose the final here. I'm just saying to myself, come on, please, come on. Just one of you. Just one of you. Just get us back in the game. We played so many games that season where we were getting double late calls, crazy late calls. I walked off some games saying, I'm not going to show you even won that game, like, oh, nip to point or whatever. So I, I always believe we'll be able to get something. And that was the most important. We always believed in each other that. If the boys out front didn't get a goal, Betcham get home, Kingsley, all the boys in midfield. So we never ever felt that. We never had a chance to score in the order, which that's what made that team so special. And then Teddy scored. He did. Um, corner comes in, touch, Ted gets another touch back to the net. 1-1. Game on. And that is game on, by the way. We were absolutely buzzing. I remember the celebrations that like yesterday. And everyone is going off their nut. He was like, come on, boys, come on. And, uh, Steve McCann said to the gaffer, right, let's close up shot and go to E team. Gaffer said, no, no, no. There won't, there won't be no extra time going on there. There won't be no extra time. I never knew that. So Steve McLaren wanted to shut up shot. And I remember. Nicky Butt saying he thought he'd be going to extra time and he, he was dreading it because he had no energy left. It almost be rather they hadn't scored <laughs> the, game, the game was over. So Sir Alex wanted to push for the winner. Mm. And then what happened next? What happened next? Um, another bit corner. Touch. And if, if you actually you've seen that goal a million and one times. If you look at where it hits Ozzy, it's right at the edge of the toe. And if you hit it on the edge of the toe, it can only go one place and that's up. When it hit the top then, oh my god. I was at the corner flag before Ozzy was. That's how happy I was. I'm, I'm being good at it. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. So your celebrations comprised of you all running the full length of the pitch. And there was some time left to play. The game did have to restart. The game was over. The game was over. If, if you look at the environment today, I remember looking at Kafu, and Kafu was a real, real defender. He was beating the floor in anger. They, they, they were shocked. They were absolutely shocked. The celebrations must have gone on about five minutes. And the referee wasn't booking nobody. <laughs> It, it, it was funny because I, I can remember he's actually going to the Bayern Munich players and saying, come on, get up, come on. They could have moved, they were so dejected. You know, and Kalini was saying, no, come on, come on up. He gets, he's going over to players picking them up and saying, come on, we, we have to play. They knew. I mean, that their race had been run. And then the final whistle? May Absolute mayor. He was mayor when we scored. Because I'm not really sure how clean he got to even get back in our half so the game could start again. It was absolute better. It was one of the best feelings I've ever had in a football pitch. It's just amazing. When you looked up at those towering free tiers filled with Manchester United fans, describe the scene. For me, that, that, that's why I took in. Um, if you ever look at half the pitch, not half the pitch, you always see the other. Because that's not my bad, that's not my bad to be sitting on a cup like Maisie and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, 
ain't got time for that. I, I took in every single minute of it, you know, looking up at the thunder, looking in the sky and that. I'm saying to myself, wow, you come a long way playing the European Cup final with it the way. And I, I never really appreciate putting the travel to obviously now I appreciate it even more, but to look around the state and still the Manchester United fans, to look around the state and see like you touched on your friends or family or whatever. You can only take that time out and enjoy it. Uh, if you look at some of the celebrations after as well, the majority of the boys just sat on the football pitch after. We just sat there, we just chilled, we laughed, we joked. That's how much it meant to us, to know that we could do that, just chill, laugh and joke. And the Panthers, they never left. And as they never left, we continue just to sit there. It, oh, we, it's a feeling that I will never ever forget because that's how special it was. The celebrations lasted an hour on the pitch. Did, did they continue in the dressing room? <laughs> they did. They did. You know what? It's, it was crazy because once you got in there, it was it was surreal because I don't think we even knew what we just achieved. We we didn't understand what we achieved. You know, we go in there, we hugging each another. I mean, we slap each other on the back, we having a few drinks and that. You don't take it in. You do not take it in. You know, we, we go back to the hotel after, we party, we drink. So, so sir, I like to let you have a night out then. Daily let us have a night out. You know, we, like I said, we party, we drink. How long? Oh, we, we party until virtually the morning when we fly back. I remember, I remember Yorkie, when we was, for instance, that we were going to leave at 11, Yorkie must have turned up about 10. You know? So we got showered, we got dressed, we left the hotel, we flew back to Manchester, and then everyone, like the cafe said, we're going to out something in Manchester for you, so we're going to get on the bus, we're going to go on to the arena from the airport and all that. So we're thinking, oh man, we just want to get home or something go out and have a few bevies. That's what we're thinking. So we, we get on the, on the bus from the airport now. And then we hit Manchester. It's like, wow. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's amazing. You know, I, I just get so emotional looking back at it now. I can't say myself, no one's done it. We don't need to do it, but you, you do get older, you do reminisce a hell of a lot more. And I, I, after doing an interview the other day, I said, Christ, the past five years, what I've gone through, to still be here, to see this in 20 years later, it turns into something you've got to look, you've got, you've got to enjoy, you've got to enjoy, you've got to, you've got to be inspired by it. And I've, I've been really inspired by what we've achieved and, you know. Just be part of such a special football club with so many special individuals that people still talk about the treble 20 years on. And it brings so much joy to Manchester United fans that we did that for them. I mean, that's, that means a hell of a lot to me. I hope that's cheered you up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going So that's it for this podcast. That was recording in Oslo a couple of weeks ago after the very disappointing draw against Huddersfield. And it actually get worse because United lose 
against Cardiff City for a completely shit end of the season. I'm not going to dwell too much on that. I hope that there's some decent signings and that the mood picks itself up off the floor. We're going to do a summer issue of United We Stand, uh, as we do every year. It's only going to be on sale in the new stand. Um, you'll be able to order a single copy. We've done that every year and lots of people order copies. And Obviously, if you get a subscription, it's included in your subscription, whether it's a digital subscription or a paper subscription. And then if there are any games uh, pre-season that we can take mags to because we can't take them to Australia, for example, even though we'll be going over there and bringing you videos and podcasts, then we'll sell the mag if it's at Old Trafford or back in Norway even because there's talk about a game being over there in Oslo, but that's yet to be confirmed. So if you want to contribute to the summer issue, please send anything into uwsmag at yahoo.co.uk before Thursday the 30th of May. We always welcome talented uh, writers. We often get sent more than we can print, but it gives us a nice position of choosing the best stuff for the mag so that we can deliver you a, a, a decent mag which is well worth reading in the summer months we're going to carry on doing the podcast as well they're not going to be as frequent as they are during the football season but we've got some really good ones lined up interviews um, the next ones with a load of players from the 70s for example um, we've got one with one of the main lads in the Cockney Reds as well who's done a book so some of them to look forward to and before we know it we'll be in Australia on the pre-season but hope you've enjoyed this podcast and reliving Andy Cole's memories of that wonderful occasion 20 years ago there is just one other thing uh, on the 9th of June I'm going to cycle from Barcelona to Manchester with a couple of my brothers and a couple of my friends, uh, John Paul and Steve Price. And it's going to take us 15 days. We're going to do 120 kilometres a day. And we're doing it to raise money to try and buy an ambulance for the St Anne's Hospice. Uh, there's one in Salford, there's one in Cheadle. So it'll be serving people all over Greater Manchester. It's where my father passed away, age 69, in November. And before he did, I, I told him of... Uh, our intention to do that bike ride. He didn't fully agree. He said, you're biting off a bit more than you can chew there, son. But when I told him we were definitely doing it, he said, well, I'd fuck the mountains off if I was you. Well, Dad, I'd want me to move the Pyrenees. And then he said, I'd go where there's the most minge. So <laughs> we're not going to the Costa's door. We're going right through rural France. Um, I made it public on uh, a week ago, and we've already raised £6,000 We've also got sponsorship, uh, which pays all our costs. So Red Army Bet thrown five grand in. That pays for our support vehicle and fuel. Uh, Brittany Ferries have given us free crossings to get over the channel. And Meadows Gin, a gin company from Manchester, they've given us two and a half grand, which will pay for our food. So unlike a lot of charities, basically every single penny that you, that you, you contribute will go towards that very ambitious £40,000 target and I just think it'd be great to have an ambulance uh, they need an ambulance, a brand new ambulance uh, serving people uh, either with terminal illnesses or outpatients at, at the hospice which does a lot of good for, uh, for a, a lot of people and I think we're going to be joined by a few special guests along the way so if it's alright with you I reckon we do some podcasts because we've got some pretty interesting characters cycling with us along the way and it won't be a cycling podcast not like that 
be more about football, but I'm sure we can bring you some insight and some interesting guests and some humour as well. If you'd like to contribute, if you've got a spare pound, fantastic. Uh, I've put it on my uh, Twitter, at Andy Mitten, and there's more information on there. It's on Facebook, it's on the United We Stand website as well, and it's a Just Giving site. I'll read the link, just so you know. It's uh, Just Giving, um, justgiving.com, and uh, forward slash fundraising, forward slash Barcelona Manchester bike ride. Uh, our target's 40,000, um, so it's a lot to aim for, and we know it's a lot of money, and we know that people get asked to give money for charity all the time, but we feel it's the right thing to do do it, and we've got a couple of other events. There's a, a football tournament being organised in my dad's name. My 12-year-old brother uh, is playing in that tournament, and that's in Manchester, and Fergus, who's a big United fan, is helping organise that, and a few of the United We Stand lads are going to walk on Hadrian's Wall as well, Got to do the full length of it in the summer, so this all goes towards an ambulance, something tangible to help the community where Manchester United are based. Until the next podcast, goodbye. United we stand and Red Army Bet. We all follow United. Visit redarmybet.com or download the app for all the latest United specials and enhanced odds. Red Army Bet, the only bookmaker committed to sharing 50% of net profits with United fans.